Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Wednesday night edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110. As always, is the telephone numbers to get in on the show. And guys, make sure you follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And if you've been following me on X, then you would realize that I have a special guest in studio with me today because it's been promoted a couple different times throughout the day. And that special guest is Lee Brown, who is running for Congress in District 8, and that's the southeastern part of Mecklenburg County, Union County, Anson County, I think Columbus County, Robeson County, Stan- uh, Stanley County, and half of Cabarrus County. And if I'm missing anyone out way down east, I apologize. So, yes, a couple of weeks ago, as a matter of fact, I think it was two weeks ago tonight, we had our debate over at Wingate. Uh, with the six candidates there. And since then, but having each of them in one by one, we had Mark Harris on in studio, I believe, on uh, just the Thursday before Christmas. Last week, I had Don Brown. Tonight, I got Lee Brown. Tomorrow, John Bradford. And then on Friday, Alan Balcom to wrap wrap up District 8 seating. So first of all, Lee, on this Wednesday night, I really do appreciate you coming in. Well, it's an honor to be on the show. And can I go ahead and correct something you said before? Oh, you said go. Columbus County, and it's Cabarrus County, which is my home well, that's county. What I said, Cabarrus. No, you said Columbus, and somebody can play it back because uh, you know I'm. Well, is it? But is it so? Columbus down east. Columbus is about- way long away. That's out in. That might even be District One. Oh, okay. But we have Scotland and Richmond. You forgot our. our oh, I did forget out Scotland. There, so I did forget. Can't Richmond. forget them. St. Andrews is out there. Richmond has Rockingham, which is reopened. Yeah, well, yeah, Richmond. That's right. That's Some right. Cool Robeson. Parts. Oh, Columbus County. No, Columbus County is Lumberton, and you're part of. No, the... Robeson has Lumberton. Oh, uh, see there. But you Lumberton go. got split into two districts, okay. much to the chagrin of the residents of Robeson County, because Cabarrus also got split in these very exciting new districts. They are exciting, that's for sure. Um, well, I appreciate you correcting me. I always tell people if I say something wrong, correct me. I'm not one of those people that are like, like get all freaked out. This is my radio show, and I'm hanging up on you. Like, well, no, no, you were right earlier when we were discussing Jason Bourne because <laughs> you knew his real life name was David Webb, and I thought you were wrong. And mm-hmm. then I fact checked you yeah. and found out you were right. So now you're one in one. So yeah, you're batting 500. Get used to the right. Well, you know, if you bat 500, you're in the Hall of Fame in baseball. If you bat three third, if you bat three hundred, you're in the Hall of Fame in baseball. If you if you bat three hundred while dating, you're in the Hall of Fame. I don't I don't know that you want to bat three hundred while dating. That seems like well, it means for every ten girls for every ten girls that you ask out, if three say yes, you're considered in the Hall of Fame. It means you're asking mind. out the wrong girls, Brett. Hang on, what are we going to talk about on this show? Because we we're going to go down way too many about. rabbit holes, and the um, listeners might be interested in go. I don't know something else. But y'all could call in. We'll take live questions. <laughs> All right, so I do want to. I start every question with this when it comes to a politician, and I interviewed two people earlier today, and their interviews will run next week. And I ask each, and I, when it comes to politicians, I ask start with the same question, and I always end the night with the exact same question. So I want to start with the first question with you. 
I know that you ran in 2019. We did that debate then, and I think there were 10 candidates, and I believe you came in fourth, which surprised a lot of people. You did you know, really well for the first time ever being in politics. And that was always going to be Dan Bishop. Like That was never going to be anything Correct. but Dan Bishop. It didn't matter. Um, but this time around, in 2023, winter of 2023, did you just wake up one morning and go, you know what, Dan Bishop's running for AG? I'm going to go and try again. Like, did it just did it happen? Did the decision to run for Congress again happen overnight, or was it a process? How did that all come about? I don't think anybody makes a decision of this magnitude that quickly. And if they do, they really need to slow their roll a little bit. When I lost that primary in 2019, I had money left over because I'm not a deficit spender, and we can talk about spending later if you want to. But I had money left over in my federal campaign account. And there it sat from 2019 because I didn't know when it might make sense, if it would ever make sense to run again. Dan, of course, represented the district so well and so honorably. And I was very honored during his tenure to answer questions when he had it about the real estate space because that's my bailiwick. That's my profession. And he's done such a stellar job, I think, because he has surrounded himself with great people and he's asked for information when he doesn't have it. And in fact, I introduced him to some other subject matter experts here in the Charlotte area to make sure he had the local flavor of this district. Well, when the districts were up for re-election, why would anybody even think about running at that point against him? And then, of course, my house went from the 8th district to the 12th district to the 8th district. And I didn't have any reason to try to run when I was in the 12th district because I'm a very realistic person. So I just did my thing. I have continued to volunteer and be active in my community. I've been a very active volunteer in the real estate organizational space. I've continued to do policy work in D.C. and in Raleigh on behalf of property owners throughout the district, well, throughout the state, throughout the country. And so the work never has stopped. I just looked at it in a different space. Well, along with several other people, Dan is not the man to leave a vacuum behind him. And I think that's an admirable quality in a leader to build a backbench of people that you could call and say, think about this. So I had talked to him a couple of times. He floated the idea. I was not sure if it made sense. Had a lot of other things going on. I was, of course, state president of the realtors last year, and I was very focused on my commitment to all 100 counties and doing that well. And then when the district lines came out and I saw that Cabarrus County was now included with most of what had been the former 9th district, the cards looked a little different. I talked to a couple of good friends in the legislature and they gave me some questions to ask and they gave me some advice. I talked to my husband at length and we tried to figure out this made sense because we're about to be empty nesters. He's going to be eligible for retirement. So is this something that's logical for us? Should we win? And then, of course, talked to my pastor and prayed over it a lot. And I just wish God would leave us post-it notes and say, yes, do this and don't do this. But it's never as clear as all that. But adding all of those pieces up, it did seem to make sense to make a run at it this time, particularly noting that there were no other candidates from Cabarrus County lining up, and we are one of the hottest growth counties in the state. We have a lot of issues that have come from being in proximity to Mecklenburg County. We also are the foreshadowing for what's coming in counties like Stanley and Montgomery as growth continues to happen. 
And I feel that's a, a space where I can be very effective for as many constituents as possible. So I said, well, let's go ahead and throw in and go all in and see what happens and see if the voters respond differently to me this time since I am in the district. And I mean, I heard it loud and clear last time. Carpetbagging was not wanted. And I think that sentiment is continuing based on the conversations I've had since of the candidates, only a couple of us actually pay property taxes in the district. But I took that lesson. I took what I've learned and done over the last several years, and I've just decided to put it into action. And one of the things that pushed me over the edge, as it has been for, I think, a lot of people, was the insane loss of our personal liberties that happened during the COVID era. As a parent, we lost that primary in May of 19, and then it was not even a year later that Governor Cooper said real estate was not an essential service. So I was told if I practiced real estate, I'd be committing a misdemeanor. Pretty angry about that. Two kids in school, a daughter in ninth grade, a son in the eighth grade, immediately shut down and put on virtual school. My anger, very palpable. You'll tell me I'm going to wear a face diaper? No. And then you progress beyond that. You had people just coming unhinged at each other for walking on the wrong arrows in the daggum grocery store. I mean, the things were just crazy. And I spent all that time at home in the foxhole with my husband and my kids. And I started doing more and more research. I got more and more versed on things. And I've realized that the only reason anybody stops taking a stand or decides to get canceled is they just haven't figured out that some things are more valuable than other things. And I know what matters. And what matters as an American is my freedoms and my ability to make good decisions for my family with my husband and to watch what happened all around us. I said, I cannot sit by. And when all those things have added up, well, it's a long answer to your question, but I believe this is a time for a different voice in D.C. that is not the typical voice, doesn't do things the way everybody else does, but cares intently about the best outcomes possible for everybody who lives here. Talk with Lee Brown, who's running for Congress in District 8, one of six candidates and the only female to be running in District 8. I remember when you made the announcement on my show that night when I interviewed you, and here we are two months later. I want to ask the same question because you have, two more months to to reflect on this. I asked you that night about what did you learn the first time in 2019 that you can carry over, and you hadn't really started campaigning yet because you were making the announcement that night. So over these last two months that you've been campaigning, what is similar and what is different from the first time in 2019 that what you're, that what you're doing? What, what do you see that works and doesn't work? What are your strat- like strategies, stuff like that? What are you seeing that's working? Well, I'm still a grassroots candidate. I'm not the big money person. Obviously, you can look at all the financial reports and see that I'm very well supported, but I am certainly not getting the outside big crazy dollars. So I'm very proud that there is a space for a grassroots style candidate. That reaction has been very positive. I do have a huge advantage being a permanent resident of this district. In fact, not just a resident, a native of this district. In fact, all the way back to land grant era is how long my roots go back in this district. 
And I had heard from voters before they didn't want to be represented by somebody who didn't live in the district amongst the voters. And so the reaction I get now is so much friendlier. And from some of the same people who told me in 19, you're fine, but. Well, now it's turned into, I'm so glad you're running again. I'm glad I can support you now. Thank you for not stopping. So excited to support you. It's been a different reaction. And I even mentioned to a state legislator the other evening at one of these gatherings where a thousand candidates show up and five regular people who get tossed in amongst the candidates. I kind of feel sorry for them. It's like husbands at South Park. They, they look lost. But I was talking to the state representative and he said, well, no, any congressman can live out of district. And I said, actually, some states have a legislative action in place. It says a congressional candidate must be a resident of the district. North Carolina is just not one of those. And he looked at me and said, well, really? And I said, yes. I said, you're an elected official. You can go fix that if you want to. And he wrote a little note down because it had not been something across his desk with all the other issues we're facing in North Carolina, and he's not running. Why would he focus on it? But it got his wheels to turn, and, and all of that comes from what I was told by voters in 19. The biggest thing I've seen that's different this time around, because I'm doing the same things, I'm on the phone, I'm knocking on doors. In fact, today, I was in eight of our nine counties in this district, knocking on some doors, making sure that I am as visible as possible as the candidate. And it was why I was running late getting to the studio, frankly, because I started talking to this man. He moved here from New Jersey. So we were talking about the differences in the way he and his wife were embraced here obviously the differences in what he pays in taxes versus up there and the fact that he had no voice in an entirely blue state. Here he has a voice in all kinds of races, and it was just a very delightful conversation. So anyway, I'm finding out in those conversations there's a lot of anger under the surface. And the anger that our neighbors are feeling has to do with the divide that's going on. Now, if you talk about the divide, it's usually Republicans and Democrats but the divide that's got people aggravated is elites versus the regular citizenry. When we return, we'll continue our conversation with Lee Brown, who is running for the District 8 congressional seat. She's one of six candidates and the only woman that is running for that particular congressional seat. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. I am Brett Jensen, going up until 8 o'clock. Joined in studio by Lee Brown, the congressional candidate in District 8, who is uh, one of the who is the only female in that uh, in that race out of six candidates. And I've got two more candidates coming in to finish out the candidate forum the rest of the week. Tomorrow is John Bradford. And then on Friday will be Alan Baucom, um, the all newcomers to this Um the two, the two that are not newcomers, one is Lee Brown, 2019, and of course Mark Harris, who had to vacate that particular uh, seat uh, in 2019, which led to the special election and runoff and all that stuff. All right, so let's get into a couple things here with Lee. What's the most important thing? You get elected. What's the most important thing 
that you're going to try to accomplish or the first thing that you're going to try to accomplish if they're not the same uh, for this district? Like, what do you need to, what is, what do you want to accomplish for this district first and foremost? The most important task is supporting the closure of the border, period, end of discussion. And I don't mean closing the border while also funding a whole bunch of other foreign entities. I mean, we have to close that border. It is impacting this district in so many ways. We have kids enrolling in our schools that have special needs because of language, and that's also a monetary drain on the taxpayers. We have fentanyl coming into this area, and I think every family's been touched by it. I was at a luncheon yesterday, table of seven people. Three of us know somebody impacted by fentanyl overdose just in that little group at a luncheon. It's so bad. And then, of course, we have the sex trafficking that is coming from the border because these cartels are not being challenged. Our next congressman has to be ready to stand tall and not cave. This is not the moment for any kind of negotiations and new legislation. No, we have laws on the books that need to be enforced, period, end of discussion. And that's the number one thing I'm hearing from voters out there as well. The next most important thing that I'm hearing has to do with the schools. We have a lot of people that are very concerned about the state of education, and I want to be a part of stopping the federal intrusion on our local authorities and our local families when it comes to educational decisions. Now, I'm fully aware that as a freshman, I won't have a whole heck ton of power, but I am excellent at building relationships. So my first intention is to get up there knowing what my constituents have asked for and build the relationships to get it done in a timely manner. Someone reached out to me, state representative reached out to me during the debate two weeks ago, and I didn't see the the message until the next day, wanted to know, wanted me to ask the candidates this during the actual debate, and I didn't, like I said, didn't see it, didn't see it until the next day, wanted to know if uh, getting the Lumbee Nation recognized is a priority. It has to be. I mean, honestly, if you look back at the historical data, the genealogical information, that is an indigenous tribe to North America. Why in the heck they've never received recognition is beyond me. I mean, actually, it's not beyond me. I know the political machinations that have kept them from recognition, but that needs to be done. Now, the way I think it should be accomplished is not by me saying what the Lumbee need. It is to bring the Lumbee leaders to D.C. and get them the opportunity to testify in front of the Congress to get this done. If that's what they want, they should have federal recognition. That Why are they the only tribe that doesn't have it? Well, and that's why that's, you know, you know the state rep who represents them and a couple others. And like you said, I mean, maybe they're not, they're, I don't know if dumbfounded is the right word, but they're just perplexed on why this is just not going on. And, and like, and they're, they're actually beside themselves. Well, we know why. There is a tribe that has stood in their way. That tribe, though, is now aggravated with another tribe over an entirely different set of issues. So perhaps the timing is finally right for the Lumbee to take this moment and get the recognition that they requested. For those reading between the lines, that'd be the Cherokee and the Catawbas. So just just putting... <laughs> just, I'm just being fair. It's all about fair. casinos. It's all about casinos at this point. Lord.
It's all about casinos. All right, so we had to do a short segment here because we went very, very long in the first segment. So when we come back, we'll be ready for a very another very long segment. So the next segment will be also very long. So we'll, we have plenty of time. we got plenty of time. we got 30 more minutes with Lee Brown here in studio with me. She's running for the District 8 seat, the congressional seat in District 8. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. We are going up until 8 o'clock tonight. 704-570-1110. As always, guys, this telephone number. And make sure you follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And I refuse to call it Twitter anymore because I want to give Elon his props. And I'm going to call it by its name X. That's fair. Oh, but you know what else is fair? We do have breaking news. Brett did say Cabarrus, but he mm-hmm. also said Columbus. So okay. he's still not batting 1,000, but we'll let him have Two for 600 okay. because we don't give anybody three sixes. <laughs> and so that that's given credit where credit is due. Oh, uh, there are a lot of people at CMS that want to give me three sixes. But anyways... Uh, All right, so let's get into a couple other things. We're here with Lee Brown. She is running for the congressional seat in District 8. She lives in Cabarrus County, lifelong resident of Cabarrus County, and she's the only woman in this particular race out of six candidates. What stood out to you, and you're actually the first person I've asked this, what stood out to you from the debate two weeks ago? What stood out to me? Well, I wasn't the attack victim this time because there was no scandal or residency thing to get me on. So that was kind of nice and refreshing. But in addition, I was a little flabbergasted when Representative Bradford refused to answer a question about the heartbeat bill. And it was a a skill of his as a legislator to stick to his response. But it was a a huge moment, I think, for people to see that there was a disconnect there. You left that night. The next morning, you sleep on it. You wake home. I mean, you wake up the next day. You've had time to process it. What did you think of your overall performance? Was there anything that you wish you would have answered differently or anything like that? I do wish I'd raised my hand more vociferously because for anybody listening We drew names out of a hat to determine our placement, so there was no nefarious activity, but I was all the way over on the left-hand side, if you're the moderators, and so there was an angle. If Bo and Beth were not looking my way, they could not see me, and there were a couple of times I tried to raise my hand, and it's not their fault. It was the design of the stage, but I was wearing a red jacket. I should have played the matador and frantically waved my hand to be heard more, but I'm, I'm very pleased with my answers, and I'm pleased with the overall debate. And frankly, I think the format was very favorable and very fair overall. Outside of the obvious of being the only woman in the race, where are you different from the other five? One thing that differentiates me is I have zero desire to stay in D.C. And I've been sharing North Carolina's Congressional Term Limits Project for the last few years. And, of course, we've gotten that through North Carolina's House. The Senate, we're still hoping that President Pro Tem Berger is going to let it go through to the caucus for a conversation. We haven't made that progress yet. But I do believe in what the Founding Fathers designed, which is for citizens to serve 
do as much as they can, and then go home again. We were not designed as a republic to have a professional class of politicians. Now, before anybody asks, I don't know what the right number of terms is. The suggestion from the Congressional Term Limits Project is three, and I don't know that six years is sufficient to work your way through the necessary time frame to get comfortable, but maybe it's five. I think 10 years should be a gracious plenty. But I have no desire to buy property in D.C. I want to come back home to my acreage, my chickens, my church, and stay vested in my community after I've had a chance to bring their ideas and concerns to D.C. and bring home as many solutions as possible. Yeah, the numbers I always hear when I talk to people about that is 12. Six elections as a congressman or congresswoman, two elections as a senator. That way it's 12 and 12. That's the number that I always keep hearing that, that people want to say to me. I think it's fair. Honestly, when when I'm elected, I will be bringing this legislation forward. I will sponsor it. Then the body, if it's operating properly, can debate what the amount of time is and land on a wonderful solution so that the states don't actually have to bring it forward. The Congress could handle this themselves if there was a will of the voters that was loud enough to do so. I was going to say, do you think any of those people that have been up there for 30, 40 years, 25 years, that they will actually vote for term limits? Only if enough states bring it forward. And currently we have six states that have confirmed their desire for a constitutional amendment. If you see North Carolina Senate move it forward and you see a few more states pick up some steam, what we've seen in the past is that with our other amendments, Congress took action when they saw the states about to do it. They will take action so they can set the terms and not have it come from the states. I had someone say this to me last week, actually. They said it feels like most of the candidates in that in in your particular race is at a win at all costs because that's what they want. They want this win in the congressional seat in that title more than anything in their life. That's not all the candidates well, in this said, race. They said most. The actual that would reference a, a couple of them for sure, and I. I can see why. Congress doesn't have any rules against insider trading. Heck, you can go to D.C. and make hundreds of millions of dollars. You can go up there and have a stock portfolio return that will make other people cry. And frankly, a lot of taxpayers and citizens are crying because it's not a level playing field. So, of course, they're reaching for that brass ring. I, on the other hand, am the person who is known for being transparent. I think anybody that follows my social media pretty much knows me like they know their own sister because... I do let my information out there. I'm very open. So when I find corruption, I'm going to do my best to expose it because the American public has the right to know. Facing the country, what's the biggest, you you already talked about the border. Outside of the border, what's the biggest issue facing the country that Congress can have a direct impact on? Congress could absolutely call for an audit of the Federal Reserve. The Fed has never been audited. And the problems that people are facing right now because of inflation, which is hitting everyone, no matter what cockamamie numbers they come up with out of D.C., where they are continually cooking the books and changing the inputs. Because if you notice, they love taking out food and fuel because they say they're too volatile to include in inflation. Hello? That is what's causing a record amount of consumer debt. But the Fed is printing money which we love to hear them call it quantitative easing or QE because they're trying to slide it by the taxpayer who's busy trying to pay their bills and can't do the research. They've got to stop spending money. Congress could make that happen by stopping this insane spending. 
I wanted to pull my eyelashes out when I saw this bill coming from the Senate and all this hollering at the House to say, you have to hurry up and pass it, hurry up and pass it. Why? Why do we have to hurry up and give more money to Ukraine when there's been no accounting of the almost $200 billion that's already gone over there? Why does more money have to go to Taiwan without any accounting for where the money's going? Okay, I give you Israel needs help. They're our actual ally. The hostages have not been released. They were attacked on October 7th. That one, I defend. However, we've got blank checks going to countries all over the world. It's ridiculous, and it only happens because Congress has a Fed that will feed them as much money as they want. If Congress would stop it and cut that spigot off, you'd find out very quickly what items matter and which ones don't. This particular district, District 8, could not be more different from the east side to the west side of the district. Between Mecklenburg County and Mint Hill and Matthews and the southern part, you know, Piper Glen and, you know, Waverly and all that, going all the way down east, you know, to the Lumbee Indians, there could not be vastly different. How do you go about resonating with the city folk and the country folk? Well, I am a city folk and a country folk. I grew up on a farm. And when I was five years old, one of our jobs on the school bus every day, we had this one stupid cow that would get out of the cow hole in the fence. And anybody that's ever been on a farm knows what the cow hole is. They make it between the bar bar. And my bus driver was Pat Mercer. God rest her soul. Pat would stop the bus and say, y'all go put that cow back in. And we put the cow back in and head on to school. So I know what my roots look like. I have a huge extended family. And we might have made a giant family reunion picture, which was a double-barreled salute to Governor Cooper in June of 2020 because we went ahead and gathered as a family because we don't let the government tell us who we will and won't spend time with. So that's my stock. And then if I look out through the district, my grandparents are from Anson County. I still have cousins, aunts, family there. I have family in Union County. I have friends in Richmond County, Scotland County, Robinson County. I know all those areas, too, because I know the realtors. It's one of the most unique things about our profession, and a lot of people talk smack about real estate because they've only watched HGTV or that wretched show, Selling Sunset. But your realtors that you know in your community are hardworking entrepreneurs. They are tiny micro-businesses, and they are throughout this district. In my time serving my profession, I got to know them. I know what their challenges are. I know who they're serving I know what's going on with poverty levels in Scotland County versus Robinson County. I know the economic impact of what is happening in Richmond County now that Rockingham's reopened as a a racetrack. I know what Wadesboro is facing as their chamber is trying to get more business incubators going on. And they look at the possibility of a casino that sits next to them in Union County. And I think that makes me unique as a representative that I don't have to know everything if I know somebody that can educate me. And I'll also say that the metropolitan city side, I lived in Manhattan when I was in financial services. And obviously, with the way that I talked, they deducted 100 IQ points, so I did not belong there. But I know how to live in a city. And I see what's happening in our district because the frustration in the Mecklenburg side bleeds over into Union and Cabarrus because the growth moves out. I think a critical part of our congressional representative is to see what lessons have been learned by Cabarrus Union in Mecklenburg and help Stanley, Montgomery, Anson make great decisions about smart growth, not to be bossy and to be heavy handed, but to say, look, 
we are in this together. Let's find our best practices and figure out the best way forward. Because you can't go back to 100 years ago. It'd be great if you could go back to an agrarian economy here, but it's not going to happen. Now, can we support family farms and incubators? 1,000%. Because I'm big time a small food person. I don't like big food, don't like big pharma, don't like big government. I like small entrepreneurial things. But that also means that we've got to take care of our infrastructure. We've got to provide a breadth of jobs so that our young people will stay here. When we return, we will wrap up our conversation with Lee Brown, who's running for Congress in District 8 as the only woman. I feel like that's necessary and needed to be put out there. Like, I, I mean, I honestly do like, I don't know if that offends you or upsets you, but I actually feel like that's necessary to put that out there. Were you going to ask me what is a woman? Because I know. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I think I know as well. <laughs> so anyways, uh, all right. So my conversation with Lee Brown continues when we return. I'm Brett Jensen. You're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen, the final segment here. we got about 10 minutes to go with Lee Brown. She is running for the congressional seat in District 8. There are six candidates. As we continue our foray uh, into the, through, the, uh, through the candidates next week, or excuse me, the rest of this week. Jeez, Brett, learn how to talk. So anyways, so we got John Bradford tomorrow night in studio for a full hour, and then we'll wrap up the congressional district and all the candidates on Friday night when Alan Balkum and I will sit down for an hour-long chat as well. I know, I know. You'd think that maybe I'd know how to talk since I've done this once or twice, but that's okay. Thanks, Lee. Appreciate that. Um, so I'm, I'm also curious because, you know, we've talked a lot of different things and everything uh, about, you know, everything from the Lumbee Indians to Charlotte and district-wide and, you know, actually paying property taxes within the, within the district. We've, we've run the gamut on top of a lot of topical things. When you speak to people within the district and you're going door to door and you're knocking on the doors and you're meeting complete strangers, many may not even know who you are because a lot of people don't, or, or you or anybody else, anything like just a lot of people are not like consumed with politics a lot. So I'm just curious, when you speak to people for the first time and they find out you're a politician, what do they tell you is like their biggest problem? Is it finances? Is it crime? Like, what do they tell you when you're anywhere from, again, Robeson County to Mecklenburg County and everywhere in between? Like, what are you hearing that is maybe more than anything else? Well, first of all, they do know me a little bit because when I start talking, oh, their well, their ears perk up. And then that. I say, I'm not bragging. I'm interviewing for a job. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I know you. you and you so go. that brings the defensive walls down because for me I, I don't use that to be hilarious it's because humor does reduce defenses and then you can get somebody's truth i will tell you that i hear over and over biden's got to go biden's got to go biden's got to go and that doesn't matter whether i'm at a hardcore knock the walls down trump maga republican or somebody who's maybe a little bit softer on the conservative side because there's a huge spectrum all of them this is an embarrassment to the country something has to be done we're very worried it's just a a deep sense of concern for the greatness of this country 
And we see that when we have a leader that is in such obvious decline. Well, you know, and that's the big thing is, okay, you get elected, you know, it's sort of similar to the question that I asked at the debate, you know, how are you going to stand out? How are you going to make yourself heard out of 435 people? You're going to be the freshman. And then just like in high school, freshmen, they're ignored. You know, they are by the seniors and the juniors, they're ignored. So I know you talked about building relationships, but how do you go about building relationships with complete strangers to actually get your voice heard? Are you serious? I'm in real estate. I've spent my whole career doing this. I mean, honestly, I'm unemployed every day when I wake up, just like every other real estate professional in this market. And whoever's listening just high-fived in the air because they're like, exactly. We have to get people in the public to trust us enough to allow us to represent them with their biggest financial instrument. And so the ways to gain trust usually have to do with eye contact, body language, shutting up when somebody else is talking, asking good questions. And I think I've learned over the years how to do an excellent job mirroring the person I'm talking to, not in a way that is going to denigrate them, but in a way that allows me to slow down if somebody is a slower cadence of speech, to pick it up if they're faster. If they're Yankees, I have to pull my Southern back some. And if they're farm people, man, I can let it all lay out. But that's a matter of letting the other person know you're listening. And that's how it should work in D.C. as well. Now, I do have friends that are up there that I know through my work in real estate advocacy side. And what they say is you got to go to breakfast with as many people as possible. You go to lunch with people and you find out about their kids and their parents and their career prior to coming to D.C. And just be the, the kind of real estate professional that's made you successful. Apply that to this job. I mean, frankly, I think I'm in the perfect profession to translate into a good servant leader's position because I don't win in real estate unless I'm serving the other person's needs. And I think that's where a freshman can really have an impact. And then if I do need to get their attention, I think we should impeach Jill Biden for elder abuse. Uh, okay, that, that one caught me off guard a little bit. Um, I'm not wrong either. That's why you're speechless for just 25 seconds. I was just like saying, just, you just caught me off guard with that one for a little bit. Uh the needs obviously being so vastly different. We talked about this earlier between, you know, the Far East District and, you know, this side, even Cabarrus County, because so many of the people from Mecklenburg County have bled into southwestern Union County and south, you know, south of western Cabarrus County as well. Do the people down east feel like they're, they're, they're heard down there? When you talk to them, do they feel like they're being represented? Do they feel like they're heard? From what I've examined and heard, they do because Dan has done such a good job being available in the district. He's done a great job being visible throughout the district. And I think that's an admirable quality that needs to be continued because I know people, they want to be heard. They really sometimes just have to get it off their chest, but they want to talk to somebody. They don't want to be talked at. And that's one of the unique things I will bring to this district is my ability and my desire to be available and approachable because that's what's built my real estate business. And it should absolutely build our congressional delegate to be a more effective representative when they listen and hear from the citizens, not just from the people who donate to them, not just from outside money or other politicians, but from the people who cast the votes starting tomorrow at early voting. So we're going to play word association. Okay, let's do it. Don Brown. Smart. So smart. 
Anything else you want to expand on that? Are you just going to leave it? I mean, you can talk. You can say as little or as much as you want. Obviously, I mean, I mean he's loud and smart. Okay, okay, he does. Like but he's that. a guy I'd want on my team, and that's what I said to you off air. If elected, Don Brown's the kind of guy I'd want to be a a great advisor to me about constitutional law because he's brilliant. Alan Balkum. He's very nice. John Bradford. Opportunist. Mark Harris. Slick. Lee Brown. Hilarious. All right, so I end every interview this way. And so, so yeah, that, yeah you know, so I end every interview this way. And you've got about 90 seconds or so. From, well, actually, almost, yeah, almost two minutes. If there's anything I didn't ask you about that you want to say, or there's a closing remarks that you want to say, the floor is yours because I do every I give every candidate this opportunity. So the floor is yours for about the next two minutes. First of all, you forgot to ask me about my kids. I'm a mama bear and my kids are my favorite topic. But pretty much I think everyone has kids. Not necessarily. I mean, in that district. Not necessarily. There's people that want to have them and didn't. There's people that are aunts and no, uncles. I know, but I mean but that are running. I'm the mom. I gave birth two times, so I have special privileges, as every mother knows and every dad knows, too. Y'all can be honest about it. But I'm so proud of my kids for educating themselves and being able to defend themselves in an increasingly liberal world. And I think that's one of my proudest moments as a parent is that my kids ask why instead of getting really emotional in their responses. The other thing you didn't ask me about is what my thoughts are on Big Pharma Big Pharma should be held to account for all of the injuries coming from that unauthorized jab that was forced upon Americans. 92% of people over the age of 18, according to the CDC, took at least one dose. And if I ask a whole room full of people if they would do it again, they say no because they were uninformed. And I believe they should be held accountable for a lack of disclosure. And there should also be no more pharmaceutical advertising on TV because I'm so tired of hearing about drugs and side effects when I'd rather hear about Stereo 1110 WBT. (laughs) I want some more jingles and less pharma. And I also think that if the public wants a really strong representative, it looks like somebody who did resist a $100 billion campaign to talk everybody into buying into the COVID foolishness I didn't buy into it because I did my own research. I allowed people around me to make smart decisions, but I trust myself to make good decisions. And here four years later, I believe I've been proven right. And that's the kind of representative you want. Somebody that does not bully and is not ugly, but does research and brings solutions forward. That is Lee Brown. She is running for the District 8 congressional seat. Early voting starts tomorrow, and the primary election day is on March 5th. Tomorrow, John Bradford will be joining me in studio. And on Friday, Alan Balkum. I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.